If we had tried to launch Freedom Mom five, six years ago, no one would have made space on the shelf for us. And I, and I say that because women like Halsey, Serena Williams, Chrissy Teigen, Cardi B, like using their platforms to expose the raw, vulnerable realities of parenthood and motherhood specifically has helped pave the way for brands like ours to exist and do what we do. Right. You know, they've been instrumental in our success to that end. Hi, I'm Ariel Charnas, and this is In-House, my podcast about all the happenings in my life. Whether it's fashion, entrepreneurship, marriage, or mom life, you'll hear it all right here on In-House. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of In-House with me, Ariel Charnas. As a mother of three, I know the struggles of motherhood, and our guest is right there with me. Snotty noses, diaper duty, postpartum. So I'm excited to welcome Chelsea Hirshhorn to the podcast. Chelsea is the founder and CEO of Frida, the parent company of Frida Mom and Frida Baby, and soon to be mom of four. The brand started in a garage in Miami Beach, Florida, when Chelsea was still working as a sports lawyer and has grown into the fastest growing parenting brand. Now she's a CEO, chief fussbuster, and baby guru all wrapped in one, spending almost every waking minute thinking of ways to make parenthood a little bit easier. Hi. Hi. It's so good to see your face. I know you too. It's been so long, it feels like. Let's start off by talking about how we met. Mutual friends. Mutual friends, but it was in the Hamptons at a dinner and you knew Brandon. You went to school with Brandon. Yes. Yes, we went to law school together. That's the funniest thing ever, by the way. What was he like in law school? The same exact person. The same? <laughs> high, high flying energy, smart, gregarious. Did you guys hang out? Were you like friends? Yeah, he was like the mayor. We were actually on moot court together, which is like a mock. Oh, right. A mock trial type of thing. And so we went on a lot of trips for competitions. I remember him talking about this. Yeah, we went to Malibu for one, to Pepperdine, which was so great because we were like, I can't believe people actually go to school here. It was literally on the ocean. It was so beautiful. We didn't win, but it was a fun (laughs) trip. But the experience was fun. (laughs) And neither of us practice law anymore, which is crazy. I was going to say, so like, did you, were you a lawyer before? Did you ever go into law afterwards or no? Oh, yes. I had a serious but short law career. So in law school, I worked for the Mets Mm -hmm. during the summers and then as, you know, in-house counsel. And um, then after law school, I worked for a firm called Wild Gotchel in their bankruptcy department. Actually, I started my second summer internship with them. And then my third year of law school was 2008, which was sort of the demise of Wall Street. And so they asked if I would consider taking all my classes in the morning and starting with them earlier than after graduation. So I did that and worked as a first year bankruptcy associate for them for two years, filed some of the world's largest bankruptcies, Lehman Brothers, American Airlines, the Texas Rangers. That's crazy. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a really interesting initial, you know, exposure to the law. Right. You got to see what all these companies did wrong, sort of the underbelly. Right. And then 
Eric was the in-house counsel at a Brazilian private equity firm that acquired Burger King. And he came home one day, like, I want to say a month before we were getting married. Right. We also met in law school. Wait, Eric went to your law school? Yeah. He was a few years ahead of me and Brandon. So he was a third year when we were first year. Oh, wow. So he said, would you ever consider moving to Miami? I was like, we're getting married in a month. And I didn't take the Florida bar exam. Right. But I said, yeah, this is a professional opportunity that you're excited about. Right. I'm like, I'm going to do the least me thing I've ever done and take a risk. And was that hard for you? It wasn't hard for me from a family perspective. Honestly, I was confident that they would come and visit us. And I thought at the time that it was only going to be a few years, which is what he said. He said it would be two to three (laughs) years. What was hard was deciding to leave professionally, but right. it was a grueling, like almost two years of almost the 18 hour work days, 20 hour work days in right. that like really traditional law firm environment, right. which I, I knew wasn't the right fit for me. So that made it a little bit easier, but I moved down with no friends, knowing no one in Miami, just me, Eric and our dog. Oh my um, God. No job, which was like so not like me. It's scary. That's like a really scary move to make. Yeah, especially when I, like I just graduated law school two years ago. Right. I think my, parent, my parents were a little nervous. I'm sure. But it ended up working out. So what, what drew you to wanting to start Frida? Like how, how did that come about? Nothing in particular drew me or like never in my wildest dreams that I think that this was going to be the path that I would take. But we were in Miami. I was working um, for the Marlins at the time. Right. I worked for them for four years. So I ran, I was in-house associate counsel and I ran all of their non-baseball revenue. So meaning like everything that drives revenue to the team outside of baseball. So concerts, trade shows, events, like programming the ballpark on the non-81 days that they play baseball there. So It was cool because the ballpark was brand new. I got to start like a business within a business. Right. But my first exposure to running my own P&L, sort of a a mini entrepreneurial environment within the confines of a much larger organization. We got pregnant and then I bought my house um, on Miami Beach. We moved out of our apartment and our neighbor invited us over for dinner just with a few other neighbors on the street. Mm -hmm. She's a lovely Swedish woman. And um, she was selling these Swedish snot suckers out of her garage and selling them to, you know, um, local baby boutiques or pediatricians offices. And she asked if I was interested or knew anyone who might be interested in taking over the business. Her kids were teenagers at the time and she didn't really have any. Was it a big business at that point? Like, was she? Not really. She had definitely, she had definitely garnered some momentum. For example, like she shared right. stories about you know, local families hearing about the product from their pediatrician and coming in the middle of the night to her doorstep to get one because they were so desperate. Right. But I didn't have kids at the time. So I didn't appreciate how amazing the product was. So and I love my job at the Marlins. It was great. I was learning a lot. I was one of the only women there. So that was exciting for me. Although there's a little bit of a glass ceiling in sports for women. So it made it easier to justify leaving. And So fast forward, I had Hunter. She left one in my mailbox as a gift. It didn't look like the nose Frida that you know today. It was very medicinally branded. Right. Like something you would see in a hospital catalog. But (laughs) 
Um, she left one in my mailbox. I used it a few months later and I was like, why is this not on every corner in America? Why didn't anyone tell me about this? Right. And on a paper napkin in her living room that weekend, I signed on to be the CEO for her and eventually bought the business with one product. That is so incredible. Can you explain what Frida is and including Frida Mom and Frida Baby? So Frida, we now have Frida Baby and Frida Mom, exists really to prepare parents for the unfilterable realities of parenthood. The moments that happen in between scrolling through Instagram and strolling your beautiful stroller down Madison Avenue to lunch with your baby. The moments that are unfilterable, that you need two hands and not an iPhone in sight. And I felt, you know, that parenthood was both on the feminine care side and the baby side was one of those experiences in life that women felt uniquely ill-equipped for, despite having a plethora of women and friends and family around them who had gone through that experience. My favorite anecdote and the way that we think about that mission and how, you know, how disciplined we are about the products living up to that mission is as you get to the end of the What to Expect book, it's like chapter 20 something, they talk about packing for the hospital. And my favorite line is... I'm scared. What does it say? They say to pack a sandwich for your partner or your coach. What? <laughs> Make sure that Brandon has food when you go to the I hospital. I literally wouldn't even... I love my husband. Like, that's the I, last person I'm thinking last about. Thing, last thing. And so, you know, I felt like the launching the Freedom Mom line a few years ago was a watershed moment for us. We started with the baby line, you know, to disrupt a neglected category of health and wellness products that parents were left sort of either hacking their way through these problems. Some women actually like put their mouth over the baby's nose and suck out the snot themselves. My mom used to do that, she said. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the reality of what women were left to handle, but it's just a real, it was a really small category and the big players, Johnson & Johnson, P&G, like all these people were, were not interested in investing anything to sort of disrupt and enhance the experience because of how small the opportunity was. And we don't really think about it that way. But it's so not small of an opportunity. That's why it's so surprising. Well, like- if you think about it, if, if you think about what they do, right, and, and, and on, on what scale, right, they, you know, tackling, it's, it's harder. It's yeah. harder, right? Because you can make diapers for everyone, right? right? But the way that we think about it is we take these ubiquitous challenges that every parent faces, right? So we don't, you know, we're not talking about formula versus breast milk or these other polarizing topics that only some parents sort of decide to go. Right. We're addressing sort of universal parenting pain points. And that's how it becomes big, right? And we're meaningfully yep. improving it. And then I, I just think, you know, it took a it took a parent-driven brand led by parents for parents to really disrupt what was going on, as opposed to, you know, an older group of men in a boardroom so far removed from you know, what's actually going on at three in the morning at your changing table. So what do you hope parents out there can experience through your products? Our goal would be if a first time mom would go into that experience feeling as equipped and as prepared emotionally as like a fourth time mom, really. And if we even get like 80 or 90 percent of the way there, I think that that's a huge accomplishment because I was so unprepared. Yep. Same, by the way. So unprepared. And it's so interesting because a lot of your products, you know, unless you're 
going through it, it's very hard to understand why you need it. When I left the hospital and they gave me that squirt bottle, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I would like most parents, if it were your first child, you'd think, okay, they're just gonna give me the squirt bottle. I don't need a squirt bottle with a nozzle yeah. that like tilts this way. But then when you're in it, you're like, holy shit, this is so brilliant. Why have I not be, been using it the entire time? Yeah, I think also, you know, some people are like, why didn't anyone tell me? Right. And our job is a little bit harder because like you said, unless you've gone through it before, you have to, it's harder to convince a new parent or a prospective parent that you'll actually yep. need it. We we built this brand on the backs of what we call like word of mom, but also, you know, the pediatric community, the OB community, those are for me, like the OG influencers. Yep. It's so true. Because they're like the first line of defense when you have some of these issues. Right. And so we really, we really cultivated a huge swath of support from that community um, for these products. But also I think when it comes to word of mom and, and spreading, yeah. I think, and, and, and like spreading the word once you've actually been through it to your friends and to family, I think the reality is it's sort of a little bit of PTSD is that you immediately, women are immediately expected to put their mom hat on. You know what I mean? And right. they don't really take the time to think about what they need or, you know, how to set themselves up for success. So when they go through it, you know, they're just on to the next. Right. And sometimes it's easy to forget that, you know, a friend or a family member could really benefit from some of that information. So true. And what would you say are your favorite or your, what products are you most proud of? Oh my God, that's like asking to pick your favorite child. I know, I know. Like what What was like a big moment for you that you were like so proud of? Unquestionably, Freedom Mom was a watershed moment for the brand. I think if you think back four years ago, right before we launched, we were trying to promote our Perry bottle, which is the upside down squirt bottle that you wash your vagina with after you give birth. We couldn't use the word vagina on any billboard in any major city. We, we had these beautiful ads. That's crazy. Crazy. They wouldn't let us. We tried every major city. And finally, New York came to the table. In certain subways, we were allowed to use it. Aside from even the products, the, what the brand has done to unlock some of the cultural narrative opportunities that have shifted because of some of the work that we've done and some of the like cultural changes generally around women's health has been, yeah. I think, like a... a a monumental achievement for for our brand and something that I'm I'm really proud of. So, you know, the evolution of just if you take our our mission to prepare parents advertising the realities of what women go through after birth is core to that goal. And not being right. able to use words like vagina or show, you know, we got we had we just shot this beautiful commercial. I was just going to bring that up. I loved that commercial. So real. Well, so there was two. The first one we shot, w which finally is now on linear television, where we partnered with Hulu. The first time we wanted to launch it, we wanted to launch it during the Oscars because that was like, a core female demographic for us to reach. Right. You know, obviously it's like Women's Super Bowl. And um, <laughs> they rejected it. And they said that feminine care is analogous to guns, sexual content lewd behavior, politics. I have chills. Yeah, it was really sad because we invested a lot of time and energy into that production, but we turned it around and we, we, we turned the rejection into an opportunity for the brand. 
We said, why is this the case? And then fast forward a year later, we launched our breast care line. We shot another commercial. And this time we were able to air it during the Golden Globes. It was the first ever commercial showing women breastfeeding on TV. So I feel like that's like really, aside from the products, that's really what I'm most proud of is I think that there's been a lot of cultural narratives that have shifted. Yeah. Even with our partners like Target and Walmart. Yeah. What are they allowed? What are they comfortable with? Like, how does that work? When we launched Freedom Mom in 2019, the way that the process works is you design your packaging and then you send it to them to to go to sort of like a mock-up for space, right? Like so that they can space out the products on their shelves. Right. They saw the packaging and the artwork and they said, I don't think this is going to work. Like we have a lot of customers in the middle of the country who may be offended by some of the lines that you guys are using. And we try to infuse some levity and lightheartedness and humor into the copy. So it's not all so serious. So for our postpartum underwear, we said, you know, something along the lines of, you know, underwear that stretches even more than you have, or, you know, witch hazel foam so good, you'll feel like a magician. It was all like (laughs) cute and quippy at the end. It was a, a really pivotal moment for the business because they said, you have to either change it or we can't take it. And we had like millions of dollars worth of inventory en route to our, to our warehouse that already in plan. crazy. And we, I will never forget where we were sitting in the office when we said, there were like three or four of us on the phone and we said, then we can't, we can't do it with you. We'll just launch it online. And we feel really strongly that this is the right messaging. And then two days later, they called us back and said, we'll try it. And it sold out within two weeks. Oh my God. That's amazing. It was a scary, it was a scary moment, but it's scary. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's very bold, but you have to do, sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. It you felt know? like not doing it would be inconsistent with what we were stood for generally. Right. How important is it to have women like Halsey, Chrissy Teigen and Serena Williams sharing their stories of being mothers? Integral. And I credit them frequently, not only publicly, but in all of our material that we use to sell the products into our, our retailers. And I say that if we had tried to launch Freedom Mom or any of these products five, six years ago, no one would have made space on the shelf for us. And I, and I say that because women like Halsey, Serena Williams, Chrissy Teigen, Cardi B, like using their platforms to expose the raw, vulnerable realities of parenthood and motherhood specifically has helped pave the way for brands like ours to exist and do what we do. I think they weren't there right. weren't conversations like that happening five years ago. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't this sort of lift the veil initiative to show some of the more vulnerable, honest realities. Everything was filtered, everything was beautiful. And um, I think, you know, they've been instrumental in our success to that end. thousand percent. I mean, I feel like most women or influencers that I follow on Instagram, I mean, the ones that I gravitate towards are the ones that are super honest and raw about motherhood, parenting, child labor, like all of it. I, I, I like thrive. I love it. You do such a good job of it. I don't feel – I feel like I could do better. I feel like I don't do a good job of it, honestly. No, I – I think that to the greatest extent that you can, given like what you do professionally, I think, I think you do. I think you show the highs and the lows. I think there are, there are other women 
using their, these, these platforms, however large they are, whether you have 37 million followers, a million followers, or 20,000 followers who will have a baby, show these beautiful, like, postpartum right. experiences, show them, like, jaunting out to like lunch. gorgeous in their bed. Yes. Yeah. And I think, like, <laughs> it does a disservice. Not that those, not that there's not a place for those, but if they lived alongside some of the more realistic experiences, I think it would help women, other women a lot. Yeah. It's so funny. My So my older sister, it's her first. And she's like, what am I walking into? Like, you need to ex- – and I'm like – Give her the real deal. I'm like, I think I – like, I don't think I could put it into words. I think I just need to get you yeah. the products. And I was going to ask you, like, what – like, what – should I just get her the ki- the hospital kit? Is that – Yeah, I think – so we've – what we've tried to do with the products, which is the, the experience of preparing for being a – for being a parent was a really fragmented and broken process. Meaning like you thought you had everything, then you had the baby and you're up at three in the morning, Amazon priming all the stuff that you didn't realize that you needed. And so I I hated that experience. It was in my hospital room at 3am being like, I need this, I need this. You should start like an Amazon service for, for just free to be for like your products. So we have a great Amazon storefront, but the, we we take it a step further. You, I mean, even if you're going to Target or when we launched Freedom Mom, I had them trail me through Walgreens, Target and a grocery store. And it's seven different sections of the store you have to go to to buy like a, a bottle of witch hazel or dermaplast. You have to go to the foot care aisle. I mean, like it, nothing made sense. Yeah. And so what we like, we took this very like curatorial approach, yeah. meaning like, Everything, every line has a kit that you can get like in a one-stop shop, exactly what you need. And if you need to fill in like refills, everything's sold individually. But for that initial sort of experience, you have this kit where you don't need anything else. Right. Genuinely. You go to the hospital, there's socks, there's a delivery gown that unsnaps so you can breastfeed instead of that terrible one that goes down the back oh, and you have horrible. to like rip yep. off you. you have to be naked. To yeah. do You'd have to be naked to do like skin to skin or to breastfeed. And so there's there's snaps and there's just everything you could possibly think of. Yeah. And then obviously if she ends up having a C-section, now we have a whole line for that okay, too. For that. That's incredible. Can you talk about, because I mean, I feel like I experienced this version of you when I lived in Florida, but can you talk about how you manage your schedule with your job and your kids? Oh and she's like... A machine, guys. Like I, lo- I love no a machine, and like you do the best job at each one. Like it's crazy. Like everything's so organized and set up, and like she still has time to to play tennis. And let me let me okay, bust fun. that. <laughs> let, let me Please. bust that image for a second. I sent my children to soccer practice yesterday when it was canceled, and left them on the field there <laughs> for thirty minutes. Okay, so it That's is. Amazing. There's always a ball dropping. It just, um, it just may not be as obvious which ball it is. Right. And I think, you know, I've gotten so comfortable with this reality over the last decade that I've been working on the Frida business in particular. And I think there's, you know, the reality of motherhood is, and, and particularly for working moms, is that you can't really ever have it all at one time. And that's hard to say out loud. It's hard to like sit with. And so the, the, 
the view that I take is I look at my life in chapters or like much longer stretches of time. You can have it all over the course of your life, mm-hmm. right? You just can't, can't have it all at the same time. And that's sort of how I've gotten comfortable emotionally with the commitment that I've made to work, the time that I take out to be a mom. And it's hard some days where you feel like the ball's dropping on the parenting side or the ball's dropping on work side, yep. you know. So I left him on the soccer field for 30 minutes, not knowing that practice was canceled. That is so fun. And then I sort of, you know, delayed a work commitment to go to a Mother's Day picnic on Thursday right. at school. Right. And it doesn't all ever exist in a perfect equilibrium. No, it's so true. You know? It's so true. I, it is. It is very inspiring, though, to see how prepared you always are. Even if it, a ball does drop, you're always prepared and you always – I feel like you always are – you're quick to solve the problem. You know, like, you know, you always have a solution. Well, I'm super type A, which is a blessing (laughs) and a curse. I have wonderful help, but it's a blessing and a curse. You know, there are times where I'm up till, you know, midnight or later, just like checking things off and making sure. But you can't do it without help. You know, now I have my siblings down here. I have a wonderful assistant who helps me. I have amazing child care. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way that I can make it work. I have a husband who's a total 50-50 partner. Yeah. Like in everything, you know, like really, I didn't feel great the other night. He handled bedtime for all three. It was like really totally 50-50. That's so nice. And that that has been sort of instrumental for, for us because if it weren't the case, which isn't the case in a lot of relationships, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And how do you feel after having three boys to have your first girl? I mean, that's amazing. I can't believe. I still, and I'm not sure I'll believe it. I know. Until I, push I know it that out. feeling. <laughs> but that's like wild, like that you got that. You know, it's so interesting because I, you know, what's kept me up a lot of nights over the past few weeks is I know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm doing as a mom of boys. You know, I have a vision for the type of boys that I want to raise, the type of men that I want to put out there eventually. And, you know, I think I'm on my way, at least. I have no idea what kind of mom I want to be to a girl. Like, I I don't even, you know, I think I know, but I think there's a lot that I'll learn probably from her and, and watching her with the boys. So it's intimidating, actually. How do the boys feel about it? What do they say? Like, what did what did you tell them? I feel like Hunter's probably so excited to have a girl. They're you know they're all really excited. Pierce is excited yeah. not to be the baby anymore. Jackson's most sensitive, so he'll be the most helpful. And Hunter's um, Hunter's just excited, I think, to to sort of like have a like a real opportunity yeah. to shape who she is. Like I get the sense that he really like takes pride and ownership of you know, who she is, being strong. You know, he's committed to some sort of fictitious reality that there'll be no <laughs> dolls or Barbies in our house. Only only a skateboard-loving, football-throwing, water-skiing girl. It's possible with three brothers. Yeah, so I think, I think they're excited. I'm just a little nervous. Like, I really don't know. It's not going to be different until, you know. I'm going to lean on you heavily. Oh my God. I'm definitely a professional at this point. The expert. Girls are just, and I'm sure there's a lot of boys that are the same way, but it's just, they're all mental. It's like all just like dealing with, Yeah. I mean, 
she's probably going to be so much like you. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I think about it. Like there are a lot of similarities between me and my mom, but we're also really different. You know, my mom raised us, me and my sister at least, to be like so focused on independence and strength, yep. like financial independence, professional independence, and, you know, our own strength and having our own opinions. And, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, she supported my dad through his career. Um, and so a lot right. of that came from that experience. But on the flip side, you know, I don't necessarily have that experience. You know, I have my career and I have that. So I don't know if pushing the same right. sort of um, priorities will be top of mind. But obviously, you know, I, I think she did a good job. Yes. And I feel like with a fourth, that like is something that will naturally happen. The independence. I mean, you know, she's the last one. She's the girl. Yeah, she'll, yeah, figure, she'll it figure it out. I'm not worried about her. And what do you hope? I mean, like, what would you say is the number one thing you hope that they take away from seeing their mother as a CEO of an incredible company? I hope that, you know, their view of what women are capable of as as men yep. in, you know, in in this century is totally evolved and sort of advanced as far as, you know, all of it almost more important for them to see it than right. than if I had a girl, right? Because obviously girls knowing that, you know, their potential and what they're capable of, even if they're in a room with a boardroom with four men, which, you know, I frequently at find myself, but for, I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have a partner in Eric yep. who was so supportive. And so I can only hope that they're absorbing the, the, the power of having a woman and having right. an equally a supportive man in their life so that they can have the opportunity to do that one day. I love that. Do you have any advice, one piece of advice for women out there, young moms, that you think is important to share? My go-to always is there's a lot of different anecdotes or quips to say it, but you can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so, you know, the, the airline equivalent is you have to put your oxygen mask on yep. first before helping others. And so few women understand the value in that, meaning they're so focused on their role as a mom, their role as a wife, their role as a sister or a friend or the obligations that they have to everyone else. And it's impossible to do all of that if you don't come from a place of taking care of yourself first, which feels indulgent and selfish and guilt-ridden. And so I try to sort of avoid all of those feelings when I take time out for myself. Like even the things that we've done at the Frida office, you know, like to, we, we built a whole office sort of with a tent pole around that philosophy is that parents, especially working moms have so little time to take care of themselves. And so we've brought in services into our office that women would, or, and, and parents, like men and women, parents would otherwise have to do on the weekends or after work, which is torture, like go get a haircut right. or drop your dry cleaning off or getting, getting a manicure, getting a, right. you know, a, a blow dry. And we brought all of that, that in that. so that you can take 
like and and that was you know like a really a really important thing for us is that if we could eliminate one component of self-care for parents in the after work hours yeah then they can go home and they get an hour or two back to themselves or for their families without having to compromise right where can everyone follow you and free to baby and free to mom so we have instagram free to mom and free to baby i'm on there also although probably not as much as my team would like <laughs> you have to i'm so bad at it but yeah i think more importantly we're we're in over 250,000 retailers across the country so we've really democratized access to all of our products as sort of the the primary focus that's the reality of where parents shop do you have direct to consumer? You have like a website, freetobaby.com? We do. We, ha- we have freetobaby.com, which has free to baby products and free to mom products. I think for the nature of our products, though, the reality is we wanted to find women and parents where they were shopping, you know, elsewhere. So right. um, whether you whether you want to ship it to yourself from freetobaby.com or you're on Amazon buying a whole host of other things or you're in the aisles of CVS picking up a prescription or going on a target run, right? you know. Our strategy was always to be wherever the most convenient place for parents was. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Of course. This is long overdue. I know. My followers definitely, like, there's so there's so many mothers out there um, that listen. And I know that this is, I mean, I could speak to the product because I've used it pretty much for all three of my babies. And my pregnancies, but it's incredible. And if you guys have not tried it yet, definitely go and order everything from Free to Mom and Free to Baby. And thank you to all the listeners out there. You can reach out to us with any questions about the podcast or who you want us to bring on next and just DM us on Instagram at Something Navy. See you next week. That's a wrap for today's episode of In-House. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more thoughtful discussions and amazing guests. Make sure you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And of course, follow me at Ariel Charnas and at Something Navy. See you next week.